It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. I can see the Empire State Building from this window, and ordinarily I can't see that in Denver, which means episode number eight of MILB.com's The Show Before the Show is a very, very weird one. Yeah, you came to New York and I went out to Colorado and we're just switching sides. <laughs> just traded places? Yep. This is yep. so strange. Yep. Hi, Jake. Hey. We're in the same... We're, well, like, welcome I can, to New York. I'm not actually I can read in Colorado. I could touch your shirt right now. If you can hear me to. better, it's because I'm speaking into a real microphone <laughs> that, that Tyler brought in just for us. We're importing our, our technological yeah. equipment and everything. Uh, yeah, it's our first joint session of uh, the Minor League Baseball podcast, the show before the show, so welcome in. Episode number eight today, we got a ton coming up on the show, and uh, but most importantly, I mean, you know, we're in the same room, and that's the most exciting thing about it, obviously. Yeah, we're going to take you out and get you a real slice of New York pizza after, and... With I, cheese. You know, you won't have to specify. You'll just say, give me a plain slice of pizza. I'm going to say a plain slice of pizza, and they're somehow going to know that it needs cheese on it, Jake. Also, every time I come here, I want to act out that scene from The Office where Michael says, I'm going to go to my favorite New York pizza joint and then walks into a Sparrow. <laughs> it's always my one thing well, that I want to do. If, if you're looking for we got a raised pizza that is right there down the block. There's another one, two more down the block. Famous original another, raise? Yes, yes, famous original raise. All like 18 of them. Huh. Yes. It's another. I don't TV. think either. Of them it's another are, TV moment. I don't think either of them are the actual race pizza. <laughs> well, now I know. Now I got some food down in the basement today here at Lovely Chelsea Market. It's you know we're in like a, a real. This is so much nicer than like you know my bedroom where I have my desk and normally record the show. This conference room is a lot more exciting. I never pictured you in your bedroom. That, that in the big city. Changes. I I rarely have clothes on when we do the. Fun. No, I'm kidding. God, it's a horrible. This has been a very different experience than I thought it was. <laughs> Or it's just so weird now. <laughs> but welcome in. It's episode number eight, and uh, big shocker, we have a ton of promotions to talk about, and we'll dive into it with three strikes. Uh, one guy making a season debut yesterday, Yohan Moncada, makes his uh, Boston Red Sox professional debut, uh, joins a full-season team, scores a couple of runs in his first game, makes a good defensive play. Your thoughts on uh, on his debut last night with Greenville? Yeah, it was, uh, I got to see a little bit of the highlights after the game. I didn't get to watch live, but I saw the, the they had a nice leaping catch that... Uh, um, I saw him in spring training for uh, a few times um, and, and looked a little more comfortable. I mean, I saw him his second and third day, I think, on the backfields, just practicing with Greenville at that point. Um, I saw some quotes from Darren Fenster, the manager in Greenville, who worked out with him in, in spring training and hasn't seen him since, saying he thought that uh, Moncada looked a little more comfortable. Um, things I saw when we were in spring training was, was uh, some things that Fenster kind of mentioned in our story with uh, Tuck Nash Marshall after the game. Um, had been a little bit stiff and a little bit maybe uncomfortable at the plate in, in spring training, and Fenster said he thought he looked much better in batting practice and uh, put together some, some pretty good at-bats last night. No hits, but, but drew a walk and, and saw plenty of pitches. Um, reviews on his defense, according to Fenster, been a little bit smoother, a little more confident. I think that was something he, he showed a lot of promise in spring training, but um, looked maybe a little bit little bit rusty. The hands were just not quite getting to the ball the way that you'd expect a guy to, but I think that's just from having a, a year and change laid off. But uh, for a 19-year-old to, to get to full-season ball and which is see how long he stays there. I imagine he could stay there for a little while, especially if they were taking it so slow, getting him to that level. 
Um, but, but yeah, excited to have him. He's going to be on Milk TV uh, through Sunday. Greenville has a pretty nice camera set up, so he'll be on there pretty often so you get to take a uh, pretty good look at him this year that's going to be the fun thing to watch I mean especially after that long of a layoff is seeing him kind of come into his own because it's not just that you're adjusting to a new level or you're adjusting to you know the the cultural acclimation all that kind of stuff for a guy like him but the fact that he hasn't played baseball for over a year that's the the biggest thing is when you get back into game action it takes so much longer to get because there's so many you know, very delicate skill sets that you need to have back all working in harmony. That's what I think is going to be the most interesting thing about watching Moncada as he gets going over the next few weeks is how he's going to handle that transition. And, uh, you know, for a guy like that, I mean, with the talent that he has and the experience that he has already at 19, I don't think it'll take him too long, but obviously it's, it's, been, a, uh, it's been a pretty long road for him to get to this point already. So that'll be fun to watch over the next few weeks. Yeah, and physically, just for a 19-year-old, you don't see 19-year-olds that big. Yeah. It just looks like a monster. I remember you saying that at spring training. Yeah. And that's some it's, of those guys incredible. where you can just watch them and yep. see, like, that guy's got yep. it. That's... And quick feet, and just they don't make a lot of athletes like that. Uh, we're going to move on to strike two. Another guy who just got a promotion on Monday uh, after he started on Sunday is Dodgers right-handed prospect Jose De Leon. Uh, De Leon's been a guy that's really popped up over the last year. He was a 24th round draft pick in 2013, um, drafted in the 24th round, and really was not a guy that was on anybody's radar. He's out of Puerto Rico, went to Colegio San Antonio, um, and and spent his first off season between 2013 and 2014 really improving his conditioning, and came back did some work with the Dodgers coaches, working his mechanics. He went from a guy who was thrown in the high 80s or low 90s, now he's sitting 93, 94 consistently. And the numbers in the Cal League were just outrageous for him. He had a, almost 14 strikeouts per nine innings. The ERA was 1.67 and seven starts. Just couldn't have been more dominant. Uh, I talked to the uh, Rancho Cucamonga pitching coach last night, Bill Seamus. Uh, one thing he mentioned I thought was interesting that I watched some video to kind of see what he was talking about was De Leon apparently has a lot of deception. It's not just that the stuff is good, but he hides the ball really well. And one guy who I was really reminded of when I was watching him throw is Yusmero uh, uh, Petit, the Dodgers pitcher, who I know uh, Eno Saris at Fangraphs has written a lot about the, he calls it the invisible that Petit throws, where he, he as he's coming and he's throwing, he kind of hides the ball behind his elbow, so the hitters see the ball and the ball disappears, and then it all of a sudden just shoots, almost looks like out of his elbow. Um, it looks like De Leon kind of creates a similar effect. They have very similar motions, especially the arm action, um, so I think that's a thing that's been helping him, and that's something that the team has said he definitely notices that hitters don't seem to jump on his ball as well as you would expect at 93-94. His fastball velocity almost plays up more than that just because he hides the baseball so well. At strikeout-to-walk ratio, I mean, he's got 58 strikeouts in total this year to eight walks. And if you're going to dominate the Cal League, that's one of the things you have to do is make sure you're commanding everything. The numbers would be absurd enough as they are, but the fact that they come in the California League where nobody throws like yep. that, I mean, that's what makes it more impressive to me. And this is a guy who, I mean, even last year when we saw him in Great Lakes, it was like every single time out, you would see De Leon, you know, four or five innings in, he'd have eight or nine strikeouts, had only given up a couple of hits, maybe a run here and there. He's that good. And when we see Julio Urias come back, that rotation in Tulsa, I mean, that team's already been host to a lot of talent this season. I mean, Corey Seager came through and all that. That is going to be a fun one-two punch to watch when those guys get going together because that's... The Dodgers, we've talked about this before. The Dodgers have so much talent at the major league level. They've got so much coming up at the minor league level, too. If you're a National League West fan of a team that's not the Dodgers, it kind of scares you for the next 10, 15 years because it's it's going to be a pretty good run, I think, for the yeah, Dodgers. You, you mentioned your eyes in there, something we should mention. I don't think we were going to talk about it. We should mention he's having a eye surgery uh, yeah. next week. He's going to have just a cosmetic surgery. He had a, a tumor in his eye, a benign tumor. 
that uh, he's already had three surgeries on the eye just to get it to where he can see and it can function. Um, this is just cosmetic. It's something that, that's elective, and he's decided to do now. The Dodgers are hoping it will keep his pitch count down. Um, so he should be out. So he's expected to be back with Tulsa uh, before July. So he'll miss a, about a month of, of total action there. The one other thing I did want to mention about De Leon, too, is uh, the, the reviews, everything I had read and heard before this year was that his slider was more advanced than his changeup. And talking to Seamus, he actually thought it was the other way around. He wants to see him maybe sharpen up the, the slider, but the changeup was outstanding. Just the way it worked out was, was Rancho saw a ton of left-handed bats this year, and De Leon handed those really with aplomb. He had a 30-2 to strikeout-to-walk ratio against left-handed hitters as a, a right-handed guy, and he was mainly going fastball changeup to get there. So the, the changeup is not a concern. The repertoire is pretty well balanced he's uh he's a guy who was on the up and up 30 to 2 yep strikeouts and walk numbers good it's pretty good pretty good it's pretty good uh strike three in this week's edition of three strikes is uh another promotion and a big promotion a big step forward wilmer defoe is headed up to the big leagues he's only played 14 games above the class a advanced level but the washington nationals are summoning him uh a guy that a lot of people have looked at for a long time as really an above average shortstop if he sticks there if he plays there he's he's a major league guy at that position uh but this i mean this is a big step it's a big jump and i already saw a lot on twitter today about you know don't evaluate him based on just his major league first impression because he's still young he's still got a lot to work on but it obviously shows you what the nationals think of him yeah i'm interested to see how they utilize him and how this benefits both the team and him i think it's they're mostly calling him up because they're kind of in a 40-man roster squeeze and he's already on the roster and can fill in he's a a high contact player so his transition from the minors to the majors should be uh, easier than for a guy who's a big strikeout power guy he can play a couple positions he's played shortstop and second base so he has some flexibility but the, the nationals have plenty of middle infield uh, put middle infielders as it is so I imagine he'll be there just until Anthony Rendon comes back in the near future and then get sent back down to double A AA or triple A um, it's interesting you mentioned the defense Defoe had played second base and shortstop last year and I think there were some people who had questions over where his long-term home was going to be and I think a lot of those were because the Nationals weren't really signaling that they were comfortable with him at shortstop um, but talking to a couple of South Atlanta League managers who saw him last year and some other people who saw him they really thought he had the tools to to shine at shortstop and it featured him in the the D-list series we do um, and he was a guy who, who got a lot of plaudits for his athleticism and things. There's refinements to be made there. He's a little rough around the edges, but certainly athletic enough to stick it short if, if the Nationals play him there full time, which is what they've done this year. So I'd expect that that's something they're going to keep developing to potentially have him replacing Ian Desmond at some point. Well, and even if he's not going to see regular playing time, the Nationals don't have a spot for him immediately. Just being able to get that experience and be at the major league level, be going to the ballpark every day, all the stuff that guys talk about in big league camp and spring training when they get invited, apply that in a regular season setting, and that's still a pretty big experience for a kid who will see a little bit of action you know his his full major league uh career probably isn't here just yet but it's gonna be fun to watch especially to see a kid jump that high uh you know make that big of a promotion um going into you know uh what the nationals hope is a pretty long and productive career for him uh so that'll wrap up this week's edition of three strikes here on episode number eight of milb.com the show before the show podcast This is so weird. I'm seeing all of these people for the uh, first time who I vaguely recognize from Twitter. And, you know, <laughs> Sam Dykstra joins us. Hi, Sam. Hi, how's it going? A good thing I shaved. Now I look like my actual Twitter profile picture. I did not. Of, you know, and, oh, that's true. I would not have recognized you. Yeah. Like, who is this bearded guy? Yeah. I don't get it. Jake and I both look like we're, you know, battening down for a, a maritime voyage. I, 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 I should have done it. So making we... our Colorado guests feel welcome. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, I got a mountain man beard. <laughs> 
Sam, welcome, man. It's uh, this is one of the coolest stories that I think we've had uh, on the site this season. It explains something that is a very different. I'm going to make my second office reference of the show already today, but there's like that episode where Michael says to. Uh, Oscar from accounting explained this to me like I'm a five-year-old. And that's what I needed with, with the Super 2 cutoff explanation. And your piece is terrific. Give people an idea of what exactly the Super 2 thing means for players, the, the, the qualifications for it, deadlines for it, all that kind of stuff. Tell us about this whole concept of Super 2. Okay, so just to start off, um, we were kind of talking about this before I came on here. Just to really, really dumb it down, it saves your team money. That's what it comes down to. Um, what the Super 2 means is that it deals with arbitration. And that, um, you know, there's a, after three after accruing three years of uh, service time in the majors, players get to go to arbitration instead of being on minimum contracts anymore. But there's a special 22% who have the 22% highest amount of service time amongst those with only two years who get to go to arbitration a year early. So what a lot of teams do, specifically with prospects, is they want to avoid getting Super 2 status. They don't want to have to go to that arbitration one year early because arbitration means hundreds of thousands more dollars, if not millions more dollars. Um, so what they're trying to do is they delay guys, typically towards mid-June, but we don't know. Um, exactly when that cutoff will be until right. years later. The deadline is sort of artificially established and it kind of floats. It's not like it's just one day, basically, like everybody's waiting for June 14th or whatever it is. Yeah. That kind of moves around. Yeah, it's kind of like telling somebody, you know, bring enough water to fill this cup 20%. By the way, I'm not going to tell you how big the cup is. You, it's a good amount. Yeah, you don't know exactly what the cutoff is going to be until years later. So teams play it safe and they just wait until June. It could be late May, depending on the, the class size. Um, but they figured out it's mid, late June, and that's when we typically saw – we've seen guys like Gregory Polanco, um, Will Myers two years ago who get called up around that time. And then hopefully down the line those, two, those teams will avoid getting the early arbitration year because of it. So who, who are guys this year that this might be affecting? I know teams won't necessarily confirm this publicly, but who do you suspect is at least being affected maybe a little by this? Yeah, this is one of those things that's really like a third rail. Teams just refuse to acknowledge it and always say they need more seasoning because it's easier to say. Um, we saw that last week, but when I was writing it up, it was actually per- perfectly timed because the Indians had said with uh, Francisco Lindor, um, specifically Super 2 is not a reason why we're holding him down. For all we know, that could actually be the reason, but it's easier for them to say, you know, he's a guy, he's not quite hitting 300, he still needs some more seasoning at AAA, he hasn't done all the right things yet. Um, That's easy for them to say. And then come mid-June, he's ready now, and we could see him back up there, especially with the Indians' defensive problems. And as we know, Lindor is super on defense. It could be a big boost to them. Um, Also, the other guy everybody's talking about, everybody's complaining, I had today, he had his first triple-A homer, and somebody tweeted at Jeff Lanau saying, call him up, uh, was Carlos Correa. Um, you know, he was destroying double-A pitching. He's doing equally well in triple-A now. Um, the Astros don't particularly have strong options at shortstop, especially with Jed Lowry being down until the All-Star break. Um, but he's another guy, you know, they just brought him up, so they want him to get him a couple games at triple-A. And uh, it probably won't be till mid-June that we see him get called up just for that arbitration uh, reasons. 
Sam, what was it like for you researching this story? Because this is one of the most complicated transactional topics. Did you know a decent amount about Super 2 before you started? Because the way I like it is the way that you started the piece is actually quoting the the actual language that describes it. Yeah. And then he said, like, all right, in layman's terms, here's what this means. But what was it like for you researching this whole thing? Because yeah, it's a bear of a topic. I, I kind of recommend it to people is actually going through the CBA. And when you're, there's something you don't understand, look, the, the CBA is online for anybody to find. It's not exactly hard you just literally Google Major League Baseball CBA, and it's there. And just look through it yourself and try to put it into words you'll understand or ask one of us, you know, anything like that. But uh, Ask Sam. Don't ask me. <laughs> ask the smart writers. I know. I got. It was kind of fun to, like, play lawyer for a little bit and try to figure out, like, what all this, all these words mean. Lead counsel Sam Dykstra. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those – Super 2 has always been one of those things that everybody's just like, oh, yeah, Super 2 concerns. It's whatever. And, like, I don't think anybody had actually sat down and written, like, this is what it means for guys, except for they won't come up till later. Yeah, you uh, you want to address? You got one comment on on this story. <laughs> one comment was from uh, Suffer for Tribe, who we assume was somebody who just Googled Francisco Lindor and stumbled <laughs> upon this. The uh, the comment was, "Try as you might, I'm still confused." Would you like to, Would you like to address? <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna go back to the explaining in five words, and is it saves your team money? Just be happy with that. And if it's still confusing, just be happy that your team's gonna be able to put millions of dollars aside to spend on free agents elsewhere. Um, so. Sorry, Cleveland guy, if you still don't understand it. I don't know how else really to put it, except for, I think it was like 2,000 words. I, I tried my best. It's one of those um, things where, like, yeah, when you try that much, if you don't get it at the end of it, you're probably not going to get yeah, it Yeah, anyway. just be happy it's going to save your team money. You're not going to see Lindor for a bit, but it's fine. They're doing it for a reason. <laughs> Francisco will be in Columbus for a little bit. It's fine. Yeah, just, it's, just, it's go fine. Yeah, just, just go with it. Just go with it. Well, and that's the interesting thing, too, that you brought up, is we heard comments from the Indians this week that, you know, there's still some things he needs to work on. He's progressing. He's progressing on-field. He's progressing off-field. But he's not ready just yet. And we've heard that. I mean, we heard it with Gregory Polanco. We've heard it with guys, I mean, even just in de- delaying arbitration status with, you know, with the Chris Bryants of the world and, and those guys. But is this something that you think is an issue that – will come up again the way that it's structured now in the next CBA. I mean, is there still kind of that that cloud that surrounds it, the way that it is with a situation like Chris Bryant or all those types of things? Does it seem like it's something that will be debated again down the road, the Super 2 status? Well, yeah. Uh, I don't know about Super 2 so much. Um, I mean, players would obviously love money earlier right. than what they're getting. Um, Chris Bryant's it seems like it was a horse of a different color because it's adding another year of service time to him. They get another year before he gets the big money of free agency. Arbitration, you know, you're bargaining against yourself, essentially. There's no outside offers. Um, so I, it doesn't seem like there's a big swell. It's already changed. It used to be 17%. Now it's up to 22 So maybe we could see it bumped up to 27 um, because that really pushes teams to say, like, listen, we can't wait for a top prospect until July. That might be a little much um, if they push it back even further. Um, so there has been some movement in the past. I haven't seen any big groundswell for changes quite yet. Um, but it, it could be on the table. I mean, CBA negotiations, everything's on the table, and we'll see what happens. But you're going to have to learn your Super 2 because it might be here for a while. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it doesn't happen until 2016. I think that's when the, <laughs> this is up. So it'll be a little while. So read your stuff. Get up to speed, suffer for tribe guy. Uh, this year, I mean, those are kind of the, the two biggest names, Correa and Francisco Lindor, and Jose Peraza is another one who Sam threw into this uh, this piece about Super 2. So go educate yourselves on this Super 2 stuff because it's, it's really fascinating stuff. It is kind of complicated and tough to understand, but that's why we have smart guys like Sam. <laughs> 
I, I feel like I should have gotten to law school, so I can maybe explain it slightly better. But this is cheaper. It all comes down to money. Yeah, it's Everything. cheaper not going to law school and trying this. Sam, Sam would not be super too old. No, I would not be super too old. The answer to 99 out of 100 questions is yeah. money. Sam, good work, man. Yeah, no, it was great seeing you do this in the flesh. Like, what? This is awesome. I know, this is different. I wish we could do this all the time. Thanks, man. Continue parading the all-stars of MILB.com through this sweet conference room that we have. And the man, the myth, the legend, Benjamin Hill joins us. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. I feel welcomed. It's great to be here. <laughs> it's very exciting to see you. This is, so just as a random backstory, we'll let Jake in on. You and I met in 2011 mm-hmm. when you came to Myrtle Beach yes. to do uh, a road trip through uh, the Carolina League. And then uh, when I applied for this job, came out and interviewed I said hello to you one day, and you said, what are you doing here? And I said, no, 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 trying to get a job. And uh, and now we've come full circle. Now we're on a podcast. This is like a very meta moment. Yeah. Well, you were just talking about the first time we met, and now it's been four years. <laughs> there it is. That is the king of puns. That was bad. That was, I, I didn't, we didn't even talk about that before this segment. I didn't set you up for it. You just nailed that. Yeah, and spun... It's an 80. Nah, it's all all day, every day. Yeah, this yeah. is what New York is like, Tyler. I know! All this day, is amazing. If I could just sit around Ben's puns all day. Ben won't be... even be in the conversation. Everybody else will be talking. You just hear him just making puns ben himself. Ben just pops over a wall and says something witty and <laughs> disappears again. Puts his uh, headphones back in. That's exactly it. Keep well, myself. I was on a plane all day and just now got to tackle promo preview for this week. But there's a ton of stuff uh, going on this week. And we know that the Late Show with David Letterman is coming to a close. One of the closest teams to the New York metropolitan area for uh, full season minor leagues, Lakewood Blue Claws, are tackling that for this week's promo preview. Yeah, I definitely wanted to feature that in the column. I mean, on a selfish level, because I'm a fan of Letterman and late night TV in general, and I've really been making an effort myself this last month to make sure I watch every week. So, you know, when work and your personal interests combine, it's great. And uh, the Blue Claws are going to pay tribute to David Letterman, because you should pay tribute to him. He's been on uh, network TV for 33 years. And, of course, they put together a bunch of their own top ten lists that they'll unveil at the game. Tried to get David Letterman to the game, and now they're settling for trying to get just some other guy named David Letterman to come to the game. And when I talked to them yesterday, that wasn't, you know, set in stone yet because he's apparently fake David Letterman is apparently just as hard to get a, a hold of as real David Letterman. Do they but, have to contact the fake David Letterman's, like, agent? Like, I imagine that's a busy day for fake David Letterman, too. Like, yeah. Busy day for the, the real one. Of his life. Yeah, but I don't think he's a David Letterman impersonator. He's just a guy, just a guy named, named David, David Letterman. Letterman. Um, so hopefully they can get him out. Yeah, they can was, go was, through the proper channels. Say, I imagine not more than one person has to be reaching out to the fake David Letterman, but minor league baseball teams will definitely be at the forefront of that push. Yeah, they're at the forefront of fake everything because <laughs> real is just too expensive. That's why you see the C and D listers come through. And it's, it's what it is. I'm not knocking it. It's just, you know, there's only so much money in a promo budget. So can't get David Letterman? Get a guy named a guy David named Letterman. Letterman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just going to keep going down a list. Maybe they'll just find a guy named Dave or a guy who's on the DL. I don't know. <laughs> a guy who's wearing a Letterman's jacket. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. That's That'd good. Be fine That's too. good. Yeah. If you're a guy named Dave and you can throw on your high school Letterman's jacket, then you can, you know, that's, you're setting yourself up for glory at the Lakewood Blue. Yeah, Club. come throughout a first pitch. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you were to uh, make a top ten list of minor league foods, I think that would be a popular thing. And, and we had a food released by Fresno this week that is possibly the strangest concoction I've seen in a minor league ballpark. Ben, you want to tell us what, what the heck the Grizzlies are doing? Yeah, I wrote about this for the MLB blog Cut 4, which has been highlighting um, 
one pro- I'm writing for them once a week and highlighting one promo that I think might you know capture the attention of America. And uh, the Fresno Grizzlies, uh, this is beginning on Thursday in conjunction with a haunted house they're going to have at the ballpark. It's halfway to Halloween. So in conjunction with all this Halloween stuff, they've devised something called the Frankenslice. Um, and it's literally, I mean, Frankenslice like Frankenstein, but also Frankenslice like Frank, a hot dog, and slice, a slice of pizza. And they found a way to wrap a whole hot dog into the crust of the pizza. So depending on your perspective, it looks amazing or disgusting or maybe a little bit of both. Um, but that uh, Cut 4 article that I wrote today came up, and quite predictably, predictably, predictably it captured the attention of the Internet. Um, I think Sports Center retweeted it at one point, a lot of other blog posts uh, jumping on the Ben's Biz glory. And um, I think uh, it's great that they're doing this. I mean, whether or not it's a tasty item, it gets a lot of attention because people like to see uh, bizarre food items. Here's the one, the one thing about that. It kind of looks like a Frankenstein with the hot dog sticking out the sides. I feel they, they drew up a, a logo and they, they yeah, actually added deadbolts awesome. to, the, to the pizza. I feel like they, <laughs> they missed the boat by not just having the hot dogs be the deadbolt and the, the Frankenstein. Yeah, but I think if you look at the logo, he's, his head is the hot dog wrapped up at the top. I guess they could have, yeah, made the deadbolts and the hot dog all in one. But the, the Grizzlies are a great visual team. Uh, they really go the extra mile with their promotions. They got a little chip on their shoulder, I think, losing the Giants affiliation and converting to the Astros. And in conjunction with that, they're saying, that's fine. We're going to do us. We're going to be really create, creative and unique in-house. We don't need the affiliation to make us... Uh, a reason fans will go. So even, you know, a Thursday night, halfway to Halloween, something that you could kind of write off, they're going big with it and getting getting national attention, and, you know, I, I think it's a great approach. It made me realize several things about how non-creative I am. Because, like, I worked in a handful of minor league front offices, but I never came up with anything this good. Because, you know, first I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, the concept is great, the character they drew up is great, and then the fact that it's halfway to Halloween is so creative. But I did not even think about the fact that Frank... For the hot dog and then slice for the pizza slice, Franken slice. That's like I, I don't have the brain power for that. It's a thing. lot to take in. I mean, <laughs> I think some of these things, as disposable as they seem, you kind of have to meditate for a couple minutes to make sure you got all the details. And then unknown details, maybe even to the teams themselves, kind of rise up from within you. Tell me about uh, the Altoona Curve, a team that is near and dear to my heart, and uh, Mike Passanisi, who hosts basically the world's lone uh, competing podcast with ours, so we'll crush him eventually. Uh, Mike and his squad over in Altoona came up with a concept to send their mascot Steamer off into retirement. I used to be a radio guy in Altoona, did not know that Steamer was retiring. I texted Mike the other day, and he said, where have you been? Not paying attention, I guess. But Steamer is going out uh, on a big ship He's, he's doing the whole Derek Jeter thing. But there's more to this promotion than just Steamer going out. Tell us about how they set this thing up. Yeah, I think the Curve are another team, like the Grizzlies, that are just really reliable. I, I try not to rely on them too much because otherwise every week you can write about some of these teams. But the Curve, uh, you know, Steamer the mascot. I mean, I, I forget what Steamer actually is. but he's, Steamer's a boiler from a train of some thank kind. Thank you, yeah. yeah. And I knew he was industrial. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Steamer's been a mascot for 16 years. Um, he got injured this off season, and in the wake of the injury, I think it was a knee injury, he decided to hang it up at the end of the year. So the team is making the Steamers victory lap, not just at you know their home ballpark in Altoona, which is called People's Natural Gas Field, by the way. Just I know you know that, but it's just one of my favorite ballpark names <laughs> in minor league baseball. But they're also sending their mascot on a Derek Jeter-esque farewell tour where he's going to visit 
every other Eastern League stadium. And I don't even know if the fans at those stadiums will know who he is, but it's kind of great for him to do that lap, um, get to see all the other ballparks. I'm sure they'll get photo ops and great social media stuff from all the ballparks. And then he'll bring back all that knowledge accumulated from this road trip and uh, apply it to the Curves' future promotional efforts in his new role as the team's CFO, which stands for Chief Fun Officer. All right, Ben, did you bring a, uh, a uh, crooked number of the week for this week? Yeah, let's uh, shift gears real quick. Always try to highlight one weird thing that happened uh, on the field as well. And uh, this week's crooked number, it's, it doesn't go too crazy into the weirdness. It's just um, things are very random. And that is that Buddy Borden for the Charlotte Stonecrabs threw a no-hitter, and in the same game in which he threw a no-hitter, the team turned a triple play. And it was a seven-inning game. And my very brief research failed to turn up any other examples of this, but turning a triple play in the same game as a no-hitter. It's probably happened before just because it's baseball and what hasn't happened at some point. But to get those two milestones in one game, and um, our our good friend Sam Dykster didn't mention this in his recap, but this triple play on May 13th occurred on the 139th anniversary of the first Major League triple play, or the first triple play in professional baseball history, or at least recorded, and that was May 13th, 1876. The New York Mutuals turned a 4-3-4 triple play against the Hartford Blues. 4-3-4 would be a weird triple play to turn, too. Well, it was the 19th century, so, you know. I think, <laughs> they had second uh, baseman playing, like, where the dugouts are now, and, like, you know, yeah, it they're was... all wearing weird socks. The Hartford Blues, by the way, uh, the team that was highlighted, I believe, in uh, a, a Yankee, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Is that the Mark Twain book? I think that's where he highlights the Hartford Blues. That would that would make sense. So it would not surprise me one day if when the Hartford Yard goes come out with their stuff next month, if there's a Mark Twain tie-in, not going to be surprised. Yeah, if they have a turn back the Hartford clock Blues. night or, or what could have been night, Hartford Blues. It just surprised me that the Hartford Blues are playing the New York Mutuals. Yeah. Because Hartford and insurance, you'd think yeah, they'd be the Hartford Mutuals. Thinking. When but you said mutual, that was my yeah, first. Wouldn't that be Hartford? <laughs> yeah. It was a different time again. He is Benjamin Hill. Give him a follow on Twitter. He is at Ben's Biz. You can follow the blog as well, bensbiz.mlblog.com. And uh, now you can read his stuff on Cut 4. I noticed they put you up as Ben Hill, and you're Benjamin Hill on MILB. Yeah, I've got a work on this discrepancy benjamin hill byline ben's biz blog ben hill and other places i call myself ben so maybe i should just get rid of the jamming <laughs> it's like a radio station jamming 92.5 with ben hill thanks man hey thank you and i'm hitting the road starting saturday yeah, so right. uh check for me in the midwest if you're midwest. in the midwest just look around for me but i'm starting in uh kane county on saturday night the kane county cougars and then going on the quad cities on sunday clinton cedar rapids peoria Omaha. I might have missed one in there. The order might not have been right, but please look for a lot of great Midwest, Midwest League content, and um, I hope to see you at the ballpark if you're going to be at any of those ballparks. Wrapping up the eighth edition and the first in-person edition of Minor League Baseball's The Show Before the Show podcast. Tyler Mon and Jake Siner. As always, you can give us a follow. Uh, you can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. You can uh, check us out there. You can check us out on MILB.com. You can check both Jake and I out on Twitter, Jake underscore Siner for Jake, as you might assume. And I am at Tyler Mon on Twitter. Benjamin Hill is at Ben's Biz. Sam Dykstra is at Sam Dykstra MILB. And MILB is on Twitter at MILB. Uh, and Jake, we got uh, some good stuff coming up on Milb TV this week. We're talking Carlos Correa's like appointment viewing no matter what. So he's yep. obviously one of those guys. 
Yep, yep. Fresno's on TV a bunch this week, and then obviously this is Yon Moncada week. So if you want to see Yon Moncada, this is this is the week to do. I mean, you'll get to see him plenty over the summer, but he's on his first six games. I think are all on MILB.TV. Um, you can uh, subscribe and, and get to see him there. It's a, a nice camera, Greenville, a good view, a good chance to, to see him in action. I know fans have been eager to see him. So definitely recommend that if you're a Red Sox fan or a Prospect fan or just a Cuban import fan or, or any kind of minor league baseball fan. You can also head to MILB.com and check out uh, this season's Best Seat in the House competition as well. You can use the hashtag MILB Best Seat on social media. And, man, now you know we're in New York. So yeah, go for yeah. our your first, first horns first and sirens. sirens. Yep. Breaking boundaries on this yep. podcast. Head to MILB.com and you can check that out as well. And uh, we're getting like close to, you know, like full on big voting competition. Like Miners Moniker Madness will be back soon. And like, oh, that's right. That is creeping up Those on us. Most, uh, I used to waste so many innings of radio broadcast talking about my brackets and Miners Moniker Madness. <laughs> it's a lot of good time. Jake, it's good to see you, man. It is good for you to be we'll here. Let's again. go get you that slice of pizza. Absolutely. Let's yeah. do it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.